Alexis is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never right. been anybody as right. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Hold on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yes, he's back. No wonder he's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get him by the way. Hello and welcome to episode 232 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett. Alex Jones and Jack Harper. This is the big one. This is the most comprehensive European <coughs> champion European championship preview that you will find anywhere. This is the preview for the casuals. You need that little bit of facts just to keep you going. And you also need that little bit of uh, insight to get you over the edge. But you don't want too much. We're not going to give you the XG today. We're not going to give you the shots on target breakdown. We are going to tell you what food they eat in North Macedonia. You're going to get the news of the week. You're going to get who's up front for Ukraine and all of that kind of business. Anyway, Jack, I'll warn you now, you'll be kicked off this call if you carry on. I can <laughs> see what you're doing. And we're not even 30 seconds into the podcast. We'll carry on. News of the week to get started with. And then we'll go through each group one by one. And then we'll end with uh, predictions for the tournament in terms of winners and all that business. News of the week kind of a standard way to get started really it's a very florida heavy week uh, florida 10 year old shot after man returns paintball fire with real gunfire i don't think you yeah. shoot a paintball gun in florida <laughs> i think you gotta know what could be coming back at you <laughs> yeah yeah you probably should um danish radio journalist interviewed man while sleeping with him at swingers club <laughs> That's a hell of an in-depth interview. The first invisible sculpture sold for 15,000 euros. The artist Garau says it's a concentrate of thoughts. Fuck's sake. Good money to be had if you can uh, if you can find it. That is, I don't know what to do with 15 grand. Here you go, have it. <laughs> uh, bride in India dies of heart attack during wedding ritual. Groom marries her younger sister instead while the body is next door. Braided <laughs> her in. Uh, Imagine if she milk. was like significantly fitter. It'd be just, <laughs> just celebrating himself quietly on the... Get in, get in, lads. Uh, chicken nuggets selling for almost $100,000 on eBay due to uncanny resemblance to Among Us video character game. <laughs> video game character, sorry video character game um yeah i don't know who i don't think i even look at a nugget before i eat it dip it in the 
sweet curry sauce from McDonald's straight down the pipe. I'm certainly not looking to see if like Jesus's face is in it or anything like that. <laughs> Maybe you should. Uh, it's a very science-heavy week as well. So uh, science supports smoking a blunt with your lobster before eating it. I did see that headline. Is it a good conversation list? <laughs> to get it nice and relaxed, uh, and then you get a nicer taste when it gets uh, cooked. So, slightly more humane way as well, I imagine. That's in a puff around with a lobster. <laughs> Scientists perform magic tricks for birds who are not amused. That's they really are. The, the animal as well. <laughs> on, uh, Jack in liquid walking around with his <laughs> magic handkerchief. Sure. <laughs> Performing magic tricks for birds. Um, Man looking for shark teeth in a Florida river survives an alligator bite to his head. I feel like if you're sticking your head in a river in Florida, you're kind of getting what's coming to you. (laughs) You are literally asking for it, aren't you? Yeah. You're just asking for it anywhere in Florida. Just don't go out. out. Don't go outside. Well, I've got another Florida headline here for you. Uh, There was was an holiday there once. My family was sat by the pool and just alligator just walked across the road. I'm like, (laughs) this is just not what I want to see when I'm sat by a pool. A Florida dad threw his infant at a deputy after a high-speed chase, Sheriff's Office says. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a a two-month-year-old. Christ. At least you won't remember it. Quick hands as well, if you're an officer, you'd think. Uh, (laughs) English Road left looking like a horror film after Tomato Puree's village. What a waste. (laughs) That is so us versus America, though. The headlines we've had for Florida, (laughs) and we're talking about Tomato Puree getting spilled in the road. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Comedian dressed as Superman is hit by a bus while pretending to stop it. (laughs) <laughs> the word comedian that, is banded that, around far too loosely and unless like the driver was like unless that really is superman i'm going to test him out here. <laughs> well this is like that kid who was in florida wasn't he where he said for his youtube channel he was going to pull a prank pretending to rob people and wondered why he was shot <laughs> <laughs> trying to stop a moving car pretending he's superman not a good idea and finally Polish man steals 591 scratch cards. None of them are a winner, and he's facing five years in prison. Bad day. Jesus. 591 and not a winner. Well, there should be an investigation in that. (laughs) Surely if he won, he was handing himself in anyway, because they would have been able to know which of the scratch cards were taken. Well, it'd be more insulting if you scratch off like a one pound one after all that. Once he's got to like 580 and he gets a match and it's a quid at the bottom. But that is your news of the week. Uh, Don't go to Florida, basically, and uh, you should be all right. So, as I mentioned previously, we do have the European Championships starting this Friday. We have Turkey against Italy to kick things off. We will get to Group A shortly. I thought a good place for us to start would be England. Uh, Most of us, I think, at least sat through the two England friendlies this week, which weren't pleasant for anyone. So anyone that managed to miss them, (laughs) 
I do. I mean, me, me and Jack did an interview during the last 15 minutes of one of them, and yeah, we didn't miss anything at all. Uh, so we'll start here. What are the realistic expectations for England? So this is essentially our Group D preview that we're just going to do to start the pod. Um, when you look at what Southgate has to pick from, I mean, we've done plenty on the squad to begin with, but uh, right back, he's choosing between a La Liga winner, a Premier League winner, and a Champions League winner. As a creative midfielder, he's choosing between the likes of Mount, Foden, and Grealish. Up front, he's got one of the best strikers in the world. He's got a Champions League winning captain in midfield. One of the likes of Sterling, Rashford, Sancho aren't going to be in the starting lineup. Having said all that, what should our realistic expectations be for a side that were World Cup semi finalists three years ago? When you put it like that, you kind of have to turn around and say, we're contenders for winning it, when you put it like that. But this is England. (laughs) Southgate said he'd be disappointed not to make the semi-finals. That's not not the kind of... That's not the uh, kind of sentence you want to hear from a manager. You want to hear pure focus on, we want to go and win it. This is like Pep saying, there's no... I don't have to win the Champions League final before the Champions League final. <laughs> I mean, the the problem is that what you said is true, but then when you look at the potential permutations for us coming out of the group, if we run into France, Portugal, the Germany in the last 16 and crash yeah. out, is that, you know, is that, it, it will look disappointing, but is that not probably what you would expect to happen if it, if it was to go as you expect? I think with this generation of players, we should be expecting to beat anyone bar France. The annoying thing is, is that we've grown up with seeing the best England team of all time do absolutely nothing. (laughs) And I think we're just a bit stung by that. And like, I've been kind of won over to the disgusting man camp because... (laughs) At first, I, I defended Southgate to start with. It's because he's brought in Reese James. He's just, he's just so uninspiring. I don't... Like, you know when you watch Wales, they're not particularly great players. They've got Gareth Bale and they just have a go and see who comes off the best. Whereas England, we don't have a go and we're not really that good defensively. So I don't really know what we are at the moment. So I thought you meant like you were siding with Southgate. Oh, no. You were just calling him the disgusting man. No. Okay, no. no, I'm more on board now. Yeah, if you offered me Southgate or Steve Clark, um, I'm asking questions. I'm debating it. Probably take Steve Clark to be fair. Steve, Steve Clark has more of a pedigree, I would say. That Simon the Mourinho at Chelsea. Probably would look better in a waistcoat as well. So, what has Southgate <laughs> really got to work with there? I mean, that. I'm drawing a line there. That dodgy top man looking shirt, 2011 style, that he started wearing now. I mean, there's a picture of me wearing something like that in 2011, a grey one, where they just they just put like a white outline around the collar and the cuffs. And this was supposed to be kind of, you're out there, look. I bet Southgate was one of them blokes that wore a T-shirt that was made to look like a tuxedo. <laughs> I guarantee he turned up to a party and I thought he was a B-piece. Because we go in on Sunday, two o'clock, counting down the minutes, against Croatia. So the familiar faces they have on their side, you're looking at Dejan Lovren, Kovacic, who uh, Jack's obviously more familiar with, uh, Luka Modric, who Alex wishes he was more familiar with, (laughs) Brozovic, Perisic, 
You've got the best budget keeper in all of football manager in Dominic Livakovic. Uh, talented youngsters like uh, Coletta Carr and uh, Josko Gvardio in, de- in defence. Mislav Orsic, your name the Spurs fans will be very familiar with after their Europa League exploits. When you look at that, there's people who well, are any of us confident going into the game with Croatia on Sunday? Uh, no. By confident, I'll say similar levels to say when you go in to face the likes of Southampton in the Premier League at home. You know they're going to give you a game that you feel you should be winning. Are you going in with that level of confidence? Are you going in like you play Burnley at home? Are you going in like you play Sheffield United at home? I would probably like it so as if we were playing Everton because Everton always seem to give us a game, but they're not particularly great against most other nations. And they've got players, dangerous players that can hurt you in Modric, like Rodriguez. But the rest of them, man for man, you would be picking the England team over most of theirs. But again, it's they've got this because they're such a small country. They've got this kind of underdog feeling. It's like who can try and underdog the underdog because. We like to call ourselves underdogs, and we've got one of the best squads in the tournament. Um, Who's calling us underdogs? Well, the book because that's I mean, rash. If anyone, no, no, the book is again as his favourite to get that. But we've got this Stop underdog they, mentality. They have backed off that slightly now. I meant the underdog mentality more than anything. Yeah, okay, okay. Like we, we kind of go into this. Oh, we're crap. We're we're so shit. And then the, we win the first game. You think, oh, we're going to win it. It's we got the. The weirdest mentality of any nation when it comes to football. We've got like, we've got a weird like Stockholm syndrome relationship. We're just we're, <laughs> we're seriously damaged by this whole thing. Yeah. Well, this is very much like opposite ends of the spectrum. When you look at the average ages of both sides, you look at our side who, if anything, they've brought in a couple of players just to try and bump kind of the average age up and just bring some experience in there. Um, and then you look at Croatia. This is what was supposed to be their golden generation, did make it to a World Cup final, as we know at our expense. But they were hoping for more than that. And this is probably the last go-around with some of these players. Some of them may drag on to the World Cup, but they're certainly going to be worse worse off for it. It's I, do think, I do think on that we've kind of done our usual thing as well, though, as a country where... There's a narrative that is partly true, and we've just peddled it that basically these are all pensioners, and we should just go out and roll. No, them. no, not. And not about quite. halfway through this game, we're probably going to think, okay, Modric can still play a little bit. And I'm just to answer your question about, about how confident I am, that's what I mean. Where at first I think, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll beat them, no problems. And then as it gets closer, you kind of think they're probably a little bit better than I'm giving them credit for. Well, Brozovic is the one that kind of worries me because he is going to allow Modric to do what he does kind of thing. And so he's arguably the guy that you need to stop. You need to put a stop to Modric internationally has had quite a poor season. I know he's kind of turned it on for Madrid in the second half of the season uh, as they had their kind of title push, but they lost to Belgium and drew with Armenia in their warm-up games. I don't know how much you take from that because we scraped past mm, our two games yeah. against the lesser opposition. But they are our main competition in the group, aren't they? So it's just whether, whether, you, whether you finish top. Um, some say we're worse off if we finish top in this group. But I, I hate that this is the thing now. I hate that. I mean, it is definitely a thing when you look at the draw as bad yeah. as it is. 
Like, if we finish second, we stand to play one of Sweden or Spain. We finish top, we get Portugal, Germany or France, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just... That's no rule out of third place finish. If you finish third in this tournament, you are 66% chance of going through to the next round. <laughs> that would be very us when there's a scrape through. Which is, <laughs> it is baffling. That, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like rocket science to make a tournament where the top two go through. And that's yeah, it, top, but top two go through, the top plays the runner up of another group. Like that's that's what you want. And we're going into a tournament without a red away kit, and I just hate it. <laughs> it doesn't feel right. No. I, re- no. I remember that like, didn't wasn't it the last World Cup we had they brought out a red away kit just for the tournament. We had a different colour. Well last this really was a kit that was brought out for last year's tournament, which is why it seems like we've had it for longer. Like the, the year before was brought out, uh, sorry, the one before that was brought out for the World Cup. So it kind of, they do it that way. But yeah, there was a, a red kit that was brought in because yeah. I had Lingard on the back of mine. Um, looking at the other opponents, and I've just mentioned uh, Croatia, Scotland is the other one, the game that we're all probably looking forward to the most in the group stage. Uh, the oldest international fixture, which will be banded around plenty more in the run-up to the game. Uh, you look at their midfield, for example, this isn't, this isn't by any means a Scottish team that we can expect to just go in and bowl over. Um, and I know some of the names we've just reeled off, but Scott McTominay is going to be in there, Callum McGregor, John Fleck in the middle of the park, John McGinn, You've got Stuart Armstrong in there as well and Billy Gilmore, who I don't think was expect, expected to be starting much, but he did have a great cameo when he came off the bench yesterday. And uh, Steve Clark says that he may have forced his way into the side. They've yeah, also got yeah. David Turnbull there, Celtics player of the season. Does, Sorry. Um, does Andy Robson play midfield for Scotland in Trippier at left-back? Or did I imagine that? Trippier, Tierney. Uh, Tierney, yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, Tierney, if, if anything, he's more likely to play left centre-back as part of the five. Right, OK. Um, they've also got Shea Adams, who, my guy... Your boy. Scotland in March, who will start up front, uh, probably just off Lyndon Dykes, who's just kind of standard number nine. You've got Ryan Fraser, if he's fit, that can kind of be used anywhere across the attacking line. Uh including number 10 if John McGinn comes deeper. You've got Ryan Christie, who was linked with a Premier League move last season, didn't get it. Tierney and Robertson, the standout names in the back, that are going to be hard to get past. It's going to be a fiery game, isn't it? I mean, we kind of expected that we were going to do a decent job some of the last times we played Scotland. I know the last fixture, we kind of pulled away. But the fixture before that, we relied on a Harry Kane last-minute goal to get us a win, wasn't it? We no, pulled the draw back late, or was it? Was it a, was it a draw? Because there are two Lee Griffiths free kicks. I thought it was 3 2. I think Kane scored a free kick to make it 3 2. I don't remember. I thought it was a draw, personally. I mean, it was a draw in my mind, but I don't know whether I just. England Scotland results. Scraping uh, a win was basically a draw against them. Right, is that the one? Uh, oh, yeah, you are right. 2 2. Yeah, they went ahead in, in with a goal in the 87th and 90th minute. Harry Kane scores a goal in the 93rd minute. And just looking at this team, you'll be shocked when you hear some of these names, or maybe you won't be. I'll take you through the team we had playing that day. Joe Hart in goal. <laughs> Left back, Ryan Bertrand. 
centre-back Gary Cale and Chris Smalling. Right-back Carl Walker. Now, let me give you this. A central midfield pairing of Eric Dyer and Jake Livermore. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, no. Um, who Ox came on for Livermore and got the goal. Uh, Lalana was uh, on the left of a front three. You had Deli Alley in the 10 and Rashford on the right with Kane up top. Jesus. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping we look back on these years like the Hodgson years. At <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Well, they were uh, disrespect up, for when Roy. they were lining up with the likes of Shelby and John Joe Kenny and, and, um, that was, was the original uh, disgusting man Roy at England yeah. was that um, was that when Roy was at Liverpool was that the dirt cow hat trick from all inside three centimetres that was Doug Leash I think wasn't it yeah. yeah yeah Roy gone by then I'm telling you Roy was trying to take them set pieces off Harry Kane and he was refusing to give them up <laughs> I'm telling you that's what happened. Um, also in the group, then, you do have the Czech Republic, who seem to be the kind of forgotten guys here. Um, you've they got Suchek and Sufal, the two uh, West Ham players, probably the most recognisable names for us. But when you actually watch them play, and if you kind of have a look at their possession stats and things like that, they aren't content to sit back, even when they play some of the bigger boys. They get their full-backs bombing forward, and so they will create plenty of chances, but they are likely to leave gaps down the other end as well. So that I should would, be a fun game to watch. I would say that suits us. It's a bit like Chelsea. Yeah, for sure. When they come up against a team that's sit in, like Arsenal or West Brom, you end up coming off the worst. But if they play against a team that likes to run at us and create space, and you would then back Grealish, Mount, Phone and Kane to find enough space to put some chances away. That's why like, I, I am perturbed a little bit by the performances that we've put in against these these two warm-up games, I know the teams are going to be pretty different. That's just a standard England performance. No, I, I know, but what I'm hoping is that if we do come up against a France, a Germany, a Portugal, and they're more likely to come out of it, <laughs> I'm hoping this works. <laughs> so you must have not, not watched the games in the Nations <laughs> League where we had everyone behind the ball and tried to nick a goal through Kane. Yeah. Um, Maybe I'm clutching at straws. I was just about to say, I was just yeah. I can I can envisage you clutching at straws here. <laughs> on the team that I'll we've go got with it there, though, we're all in. Yeah. On the team that we've got then, so we assumed as of last Monday that Trent was going to be pulled out of the squad. That didn't happen. He goes in, a day later he's ruled out as he gets injured in a friendly. Um the squad wasn't too different to what we expected, I don't think. We did have the confirmation today that Ben White is coming in as a replacement for Trent. Firstly, can anyone say they saw that coming? I thought it was a, a two-horse race with Lingard and uh, Ward-Prowse. Prowse? I know yeah. I know that was kind of slightly maybe social media peddled, but I thought it was also probably the common sense decision. I, I guess like, I look at it and I think when you look at the, the fact that we've got in attacking areas, Sancho, Rashford, who I know shouldn't be there, but he, he will be in that squad and probably near the first team. Foden, Mount. I don't think it's that egregious that Rashford's there. I, I I think that Ben White, I just think they're not confident on Harry Maguire's fitness. I no. think it tells you he's probably even further off than we thought, I think. Yeah. Some of the outrage about Lingard... He has been shit for the majority part of the last several years. I know he's had a good half a season, 
Yeah. It, it's at the right time, though, isn't it? It's, that's yeah, what but it is. I mean, the outrage for him being in there, like, would anyone ever have him starting over any of the players who we're expecting? No, I, I would have started in those started, positions. Like, it, it makes it, it would have made no sense for Lingard to be the extra man. But Ward Prowse, one, I think you pointed out yesterday, maybe TK, we were watching it, that when he was brought off as a sub, that gave the kind of indication that maybe he was being saved and he was going to the tournament. So, I uh, I woke up this morning, kind of, I couldn't really see it going to any other player. Um, obviously, it didn't go that way. Ben White comes in. I was going to ask you in particular, TK, do you think going into the game yesterday, if Southgate thought there was a centre-back that he wanted, do you think it was head-to-head who performed better out of White and Godfrey? And that was what he was going to make his mind up on. You'd like to think not, wouldn't you? You'd like to think he had some certainty already. It, it maybe Godfrey he was... looked shaky, didn't he? And White looked a lot better. He did, yeah. I, I thought White looked good, and I imagine White probably looks good in training as well. I'm, I'm assuming he's probably going to go off that. Um, I, I mean, we're talking about him being in. He probably is going to start White. There's a good chance he could start. Baffling. Uh, I mean, when you can't make, you yeah, he nearly didn't make a 26-man squad, and now might start. But I mean, if you look at how Mings performed. I'd rather have him in there than Mings. That's he's quite been doing a lot. this in a while for an England shirt, though. Like, I mean, he's been doing it in a while just in any shirt that he's in. Yeah, like, yeah. He, he had a good first season in the league in which they nearly got relegated, which I know you have an issue with the amount of praise certain defenders get for inside yeah, that go yeah. down. But this season, he, he's looked as shaky as anything. Uh, it seems to be declining to me, so my eyes, when I watch him, it seems to be that he's getting shakier and shakier. He, he seems genuine, to be in on the basis of being big and left-footed. He is genuinely reminding me of Mustafi when I watch him. Because he does the thing as well where he points at other players when he makes the mistake, which yeah. is an irritating thing. But he, he's just looking more and more clumsy. Like it, You're going to be kind of biting your nails if you play a France, a Germany, a Portugal, and they're running at him. And, and, and we've... Thought, the thought of him with stones is terrifying. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the concern, isn't it? And I think, I know we've said before, but the, the problem with him is as well, for a, a guy of his size, it's not like he physically dominates teams very often. He, he often can get bullied, which if you're a bit questionable and prone to a lapse in concentration, at the very least, you should be uh, physically a, a bully and being able to, it's kind of what, you know, even if Maguire has a bad game, you've at least got that from him. He's it's Christ, it's not He's safe. got a bad temper as well. You look at the disciplinary record. If you remember, one of the first episodes we did on the podcast was when he stomped on uh, Ibrahimovic's mm. face. And we were saying about, like, there were people saying he should never play football again. And we were saying that was Ibrahimovic. great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it helped there with Ibrahimovic. But it's, it's very interesting. Um, Jack, do you think he's going to play a four or five at the back against Croatia? can see him playing five. I can't. <laughs> it's going to happen, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's much more like to say that we're going to play with four at the back with two holders and then let Foden, Mount and Grealish off the leash to create a plethora of chances for Kane. I just cannot see it happening. Um, I think the players that we have lends ourselves to that formation where you've got mm-hmm. Rice and Bellingham controlling the midfield and then just let them sit and we've got some really good creative young talent. And like, we're not even including Sancho in it. Sancho's had a fantastic season in the Bundesliga, so that is what yeah. I would do. But what we're going to do is we're going to line up with three at the back, two wing backs. He's going to put an emergency transfer in for uh, Eric Dyer. 
<laughs> called out to the squad just before the game and get put into midfield. Alex, one for you. So I don't think I'm the first person to point out that Sancho hasn't looked particularly great in an England shirt. If you're Southgate, do you pick the players that have played well in England shirt or do you pick the best players? It's a tricky one. Um, I'd, I'd say it's the players that seem to work well together in a short period of time. Um, when we spoke about the international team before, um, we've you know spoken about like the lack of time compared with you know club level club uh, club setup that managers will have to get the team to work together and get um, them working in a cohesive unit in such a way in which you know that might reflect what goes on in the club game, but it's just not possible at the international level, which is why it's quite often that international football can be a bit more boring. But Sancho, he plays in a different league. He doesn't really interact or has no opportunity to link up with any of the players that are in the squad. So it's just, you know, it sounds it sounds like such a delicate thing to say, but he doesn't have any social interactions in the change rooms either, which is going to have an effect on the pitch. So I I know he hasn't looked great in an England shirt. He's looked great for Dortmund, but it, it, this is the problem. He's not. It's he can be a great individual player, but where on the international stage where there isn't maybe enough cohesiveness in the squad already, he's probably not going to be as good as a player as he is. He's probably not going to add to that. So I, I'd i like to see him play, but I get the decision at the same time. I, I'm i pretty sure it's going to be five at the back on Sunday. I think he's going to be resigned to giving up the possession of the ball and play behind it, as we've done essentially against any other team that's being competitive with us, we have kind of dropped to doing that rather than go out to try and play them. It remains to be seen whether that's a good or bad decision. I guess it's a plus for us that the likes of Mandzukic uh, have, aren't playing international football anymore in the way that he troubled us last time we played. So it'll be an interesting one for sure. I just, I think myself included, there will be a lot of overreaction starting at the lineup and then as the game goes on if someone like the, Sterling's having a bad game and doesn't get, doesn't get stopped <laughs> off or something the the thing with it is i think i'm not as hugely against the free at the back as some people are, just in terms of if he gets the personnel right it doesn't have to be such a sort of defensive negative no no uh thing. it's just that sometimes he doesn't um for example if rice and bellingham are sat in now i don't think that's a, i think that's a nice little combo i think there's people alongside you can play alongside right it, it can work okay uh but if he is going in with the intention to right we're gonna let you have the ball and just try and hit you on the break i'm not saying that we don't have strengths in doing that but i think you've got to be able to mix it up and get on the ball a little bit in this group written we're the we're still the best footballing team and i know croatia aren't, aren't bad but we should be able to go and get the initiative a little bit i do think one part of it that isn't getting looked at is the fact that if he does go in through the back that's four international games in a row now he's gone with four at the back and now he's switching back to yeah. the three. And that's, bearing in mind, that's obviously these two warm-up games and covering the last international break. So last time we'll have played three at the back would have been however many months ago. What was it? We're going back yeah. to February? Or we're going further than that? So yeah. the main... uh, bearing in mind we don't get to give it very often anyway. Uh, we're suddenly going to get, oh, by the way, lads, we're going to get back to doing that thing we were doing a few months ago. Well, the main critique that I've seen of Southgate uh, in kind of written press since our World Cup run was that it all worked well when 
the setup worked from the start. It was as the tournament went on and there was other teams knew more about us and you had to kind of switch things up a little. It was the in-game kind of tactical tweaks and when he tried to change the system that didn't work. And so mm. I think, according to the people who are kind of closer there, in training they are very much drilling both four at the back and five at the back systems, which can work both ways, as you kind of said. But I think, and one of you can correct me if I'm wrong, if you had to put your life on the line, I know if I say money, there'll be a reverse jinxing that comes into play, I'm sure. I think if most of us had to put our life on the, the line... The reverse jinx is fine when our lives are on the line, though. That's fine. <laughs> we don't want anyone losing money, but if no. one of us could drop dead, it's fine. Well, I, Go I, on. I mean, I, mean I, I, I want an accurate answer from people rather than a try and uh, avoid the jinx. I think if most AJ. people had to put, say, their life on the line, you would be back in England to top the group rather than predicting them to come second or third. Am I wrong? Yeah, I, I back us. We should be. You back um, us to top or come second? Did you say top? I'd say. But the pro- I've spooked myself over the last couple of days. Otherwise, I would have been fully with it. I've spooked myself. And I, I don't feel confident in it, but if I had to choose, that's why life on the line. You, you take us over the field if your life's on the line. Yeah. I kind of, I think we'll, the games we're going to win are going to be in spite of Southgate and having enough talent to kind of get through it. The thing that worries me is what you say. We could be lifting the trophy and you're going to be going, fucking Southgate. Well, <laughs> my thing is, that when, when we've said about kind of nicking the ball, I've not seen this England team play with any great pace in the side. Like we don't counter quickly or anything. So I think no. a lot of it is down to individual brilliance. I think it's going to be, Individual brilliance or set pieces, which is largely what we got through the World Cup on last time. Um, I mean, I can't, like you said about the pace that we play with. Um, I, I could maybe, uh, I could maybe agree with the the pace on the counter, but I don't think any of the international teams play with that much pace. To be honest, it, it generally is a lot, lot slower. The, the ones that win it do. I think is Spain. He is he is right though in terms of, it links back to what he said previously how the, just the general pace of international football is that slower just where they don't have the the link up play that any basically contrast any international team with a club team just because they don't have that cohesion isn't it it's even the France team from the last World Cup which is as good and as quick as you could hope for compare it to you know an elite club team I don't think it's the same yeah no but there's still a certain pace to it when you look at the way the I mean Belgium in contrast to us it, I would absolutely yeah. agree yeah. Absolutely. I, I do think part of ours, though, is we don't watch with any sort of game outside of a tournament with us. That just feels like there's so little on the line. Is How much urgency are these players actually playing with? It's, it's such a hard thing to gauge. I, yeah. I, I mean, that's why when I look at how we're going to line up, when we when I say Grealish, Mount and Foden, I mean, there there's isn't no so much pace there. Whereas if you look at say if you start with Sterling and Rashford and then there is so he's going to put one of those in Jack then rest assured he'll put yeah. one of Rashford or Sterling in <laughs> he will alongside yeah. Eric Dyer there <laughs> they are <laughs> his adopted kids yeah. TK um, if you are in charge of uh, putting one song on before England come out into uh, onto the pitch and you've got a selection of your classic England songs is it as simple as putting on Three Lions football's coming home, or would you switch it up? Would you maybe go for Jerusalem? We're on the ball. Is this the way to the World Cup, as we've said prior? I, I, I could... th- Sorry. 
So if I if want to relax him a little bit, I think Tony Christie is just the way to the World Cup. If that doesn't get a smile on your face, I'm not sure what will. And if uh, you, I've, sorry. If you arrive, I mean, you're not one that's the most on time as it is. You get through the door, there's five minutes to kick off. I hand you the speaker and say, put one song on before kickoff. Is it the same choice? Is it one of those? What do you go for? Will will some of these songs go over the modern player's head? Is the question. Uh, well, for this one, he, it's you're in. We're literally watching it in front of the TV. You're, you've just got the speaker. Right. I mean, to be fair, a, a big old hit like Jerusalem can get you pumped, can't it? But, I mean, <laughs> yeah, three lions is, is the natural choice. But if you want to get really pumped up, something like Jerusalem or Nessun Dorma, Italian Night, or something to get I, everyone I, I really feel going. Vindaloo has been overlooked <laughs> because yeah but they might start it. fighting then I think Tyro Mings <laughs> might go and karate kick someone if he has been the loop um, which player in that England squad would you back to take down a Vindaloo oh. Sam Johnston <laughs> <laughs> he looks like that's he that's could absolutely church, nail a Vindaloo with no, with no beer <laughs> and who do you think gets through the least of it Oh, Phil Foden. That could yeah. be a shout. That could be a shout. Yeah, I think Foden might top Ben White. You know, when I, when I see Foden try to tackle a Vindaloo, I see him in that holiday pick where he looks like <laughs> fourteen-year-old. Do you know the one I'm on about? Yeah. All right. We'll, Imagine we'll... Kane trying to speak with a mouthful of Vindaloo. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give me a drink. <laughs> we'll continue. We've uh, we've got more to get into than just England, so we'll start a group A now, and we'll we'll work through. Um, so we open the tournament on Friday, eight o'clock, with Italy facing Turkey. Italy strong favourites for the group. Um, great record since failing to qualify for the 2018 World Cup, which I've actually forgotten about. They've won their last five competitive matches by a score of 2-0, three of them with a goal in each half, which uh, over in Italy, they call that an English result. <laughs> um, quite curiously, that, uh, that but uh, that's what they do. Uh, Mancini essentially has done what maybe other international managers have critiqued for and He's created a side that actually suits the talents at his disposal. He's not come in with a preferred formation. He's gone in and he's actually worked around what he's got, starting with his midfield trio of Giorginio, Verratti and Nicola Barella. Maybe the most technically gifted in the tournament if you're going to go down uh, that line there. When you look at other Italian sides, then you've got a rare crop of good wingers, which is the main thing it's been criticised for going back. They've got Lorenzo Insigne, cuts in from the left. They've got Berardi going down the right. And they've got Federico Chiesa, moulded in Fiorentina. Uh, and you can see when he play anywhere, now he's gone to Juventus. Um, you would have seen him take pick up a, a couple of crucial goals during their uh, short Champions League run. They do have Immobile up top, who struggled at international level, particularly against the stronger sides, but... When you look, he's had poor stint in Spain and Germany. So some say that he's not prolific outside of Italy. 
all three of their group games will be played at his club's home ground, which obviously is going to be massive for Italy. Interesting. You're going to have a lot of teams at home advantage in uh, in this year. And I'll say now, as to save you before we get to the end, Italy are my winners of this tournament. I placed my money where my mouth was today. Put Blimey. five smackaroonies on the table. I think Italy <laughs> win this tournament. I think Jeez. they don't have the stars of uh, previous years. When you look at someone like a Balotelli, whether that was uh, a good <laughs> or a bad thing for them. I think injuries aside, which you can never know how that's going to affect each team. I think this team's got all it takes to uh, win the tournament. And if one of those midfield three gets injured and my man Locatelli gets in, that's going to be your breakthrough player of the tournament. Valued at about 35 million going in. I'd love Arsenal to get him. He's probably been valued about double that if he gets any game time. I actually don't disagree with you. Um, I've seen the way they're playing. I mean, it'd be a good barometer, actually, a good yardstick to use where we've got the Czech Republic, obviously, in our group. And they've just nailed the Czech Republic like 4 0, <laughs> played some really good football doing it. And you're right, they have got quite a good team. You're lacking, like you said, your household name stars, but sometimes that will work to the advantage where there isn't so much expectation on them. Looking at the managers in the tournament, Mancini must be one of the most accomplished ones. That in the is another massive factor when you consider, when you kind of compare them and contrast they've got a manager that's won something and him and Luis Enrique probably the top two unless mm. I'm missing someone I know Deschamps is Deschamps but going into the going into the last World Cup people were saying he was going to be the reason that they were going to lose I believe plenty of us actually said it in the group chat before the tournament um, Turkey then seems to be they're the new Belgium in terms of hmm. I've seen a lot of people calling them that much of a dark horse that maybe not to the same way Belgium were because they don't have that side on paper but I've certainly seen it banded around like it's a uh, unique proposition I saw some trying it with Italy to be fair I think you come on we've, got a, <laughs> we've already got to check our definitions here um, I know when Kabak signed for Liverpool there was a description I think you and Rory had a discussion where he was described as an old-fashioned centre-half and he was like, that essentially means he's going to win your headers and clear the ball. Probably no more of an old-school partnership than Soyuncu and Demiral at the back for Turkey. <laughs> what you'd expect from a Turkish centre-back. Um, physical, they're going to get in there and I guess, as the commentators would say, you have to go around them because you're certainly not going to go through them. They conceded fewer goals than any other side in qualification. Although in the last year there have been three three draws with Germany, Croatia and Latvia. A 4-2 win over Holland, a 3-2 victory over Russia and a 2-2 draw with Serbia. They've got Yilmaz, who a player most people consider done within the last year. He's just won the league with Lille. He'll be leading that attack by himself. You've got... Uh, Kengizunda, who was at Leicester over the past season. You've got uh, Hakan Chahonoglu at Milan, who's about to be a free agent. So it remains to be seen whether he signs somewhere before or the interest picks up after. I know Arsenal are apparently interested, though I'm not so sure myself. Um, 
but dead balls another one where you've got a player in there who when you look at france they only just got past belgium in the world cup with a set piece and so in some of these tight games that's the deciding factor and there's probably few better takers than him that you have there you've got wales in this mix as well um They've been switching between a 4-2-3-1 and a 3-4-3. Essentially, they play a combination of Bale, Harry Wilson and Dan James up top, Aaron Ramsey in behind, and then they just keep it as tight and compact as they can do with everyone in behind the ball there. Um, I think you mentioned earlier, Jack, just the kind of enthusiasm they play with. And the main thing that they can get props for is they do seem to sneak results. I know they just lost their last friendly, which may have been to Armenia, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that aside, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, it's, it's, they, it's, they drew with Albania, so not too much better. They play with the heart of lower league teams when they play like a big team in a like cup match or something. And I guess, I guess what their norm is in many ways. Well, they gave us a fright in uh, the World Cup before... Thankfully, Studge saved the day, and they're a better side now than they were then. Yeah, no, I agree. I guess it all depends on which Gareth Bale turns up as well. Yeah, someone's going to have to crunch him early doors, aren't they? Yeah, someone needs to pull a Rudiger. And then... And and the the manager's got other things going on as well, so I don't know if that's going to be good or bad for him. One of the interesting things is supposedly that uh, the assistant that's taken over his name has uh, just left me. You know, if uh, any of you can help me out. It's Page, isn't it? What's, I can't yeah, Rob Page. Name. Right. Um, so he apparently has quite different ideas to Ryan Giggs. And so that could be interesting there. In Do you mean in his personal life? or <laughs> <laughs> Well, that as well. But in terms of the way... Getting these sort of wife. In certain, even in certain formations that... It could be interesting if they, they've got way, got through a certain way and he's changing it when he gets to the tournament. Maybe he wants to put his own stamp on it. So we do see this. They want to put that differentiate, differentiate factor there so he can get the job full-time afterwards. Um, and then you've got Switzerland in the group as well. Recognisable names. You've got Xhaka, Shakiri, as fiery pair as you could hope for there. You've got... a. Safarovic leading the line, Briel and Bolo, who was supposed to be one of the next big things, but has tailed off a bit. Um, at fullback, you've got uh, Ricardo Rodriguez, and you've got Mbappé on either side. They're a pretty solidly put together team, much like Wales. They don't have the depth there, and you'd imagine it could be quite an ugly game between those two as either one tries to sneak third place in the group. I mean, I, I don't know. I imagine Switzerland would be hoping to get in behind Italy, wouldn't they? I would, I would assume they'd be thinking, we've got eyes on second place, at least. They're the perennial sort of come second in a group sort of team, aren't they? I think when you look at it, I think they're, they've got better odds to come bottom than Wales have. For sure. I can't be surely. When I was looking earlier, it's essentially Italy and Turkey and then Pick your third place out of Switzerland and uh, Wales. Interesting. That surprises me. I would have thought I would have thought there'd be similar odds to Turkey. That would have been my guess. I think everyone's on the Turkey train. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I think that's probably taken over in that case. 
I love both of those teams. A similar sort of case of could produce a run, but could okay, also no, go you out, right. and you wouldn't you wouldn't bat an eyelid. So you've got Italy eight to fifteen to top the group, and then Switzerland and Turkey tied at four to seven to qualify. So my mistake, Wales at five to six. So they're deeming it. Italy go through, and then fight amongst yourselves. But Wales are nearly even. Not to qualify. We should all well. just stick the mortgage on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, group B. Interesting here when it comes to home advantage. So Denmark have home advantage in all three group games. Russia have the home advantage in their first two and then will be away at Denmark. Belgium and Finland will be away in Copenhagen and St. Petersburg for their first two games before facing each other in the only true neutral game of the group in St. Petersburg. I guess we saw... Pretty brutal, isn't it, really? It doesn't really make a lot of sense. Especially we saw over the past season that home advantage only seems to count if you have fans. And there's plenty of fans that are going to be in the venue for some of these games. Um, I think even in the Puskas Arena, they're looking at having 100% capacity there. So that has quite the influence on the outcome of the matches. Mm. It helps for us as fans watching it on TV, but it'll be interesting there. Roberto Martinez at Belgium then, so... Still plodding along there, no matter what we all think of him. Uh, I'm praying he's the new Spurs boss, but remains to be seen what happens there. Maybe he'll be the new Everton boss. Uh, he seems to like a 3-4-3, which seems to be even more common. The only issue there, Jason Denier now starts ahead of company, and then the two centre-back partners in uh, Olderweireld and Vertonghen are quite significantly past their best. So that, as a three and a back five, might be far more ropey than it perhaps looks on paper, especially when they try and play with the high line to get their attacking players in. Yeah, I think that's going to be their main issue. Like you said, great names in tournaments gone by, but I think they could get shown up. In front of them, you've got Axel Witzel that hasn't played since January because of an Achilles injury, but did make the tournament. Eden Hazard, who won the World Cup Silver Ball in 2018, but hasn't played for his national side in over 18 months because of injury. KDB and Lukaku, he seems to play up front together. A lot of the time, he's actually played De Bruyne as the centre-forward, and he shifted Lukaku to the right-hand side. And then perhaps it shows that there isn't the depth that they used to have in that Trossard only made his debut in uh, January, I believe. And he's become an integral part of the team now. You've got Mertens hanging around there. Uh, Carrasco, who's played as a wing-back sometimes for Atletico this season. So it'll be interesting to see if that's where he's squeezed in. And Nasser Chadley is still hanging around. Blimey. Jesus. Um, I didn't actually see him in the squad. Did did Batshuayi sneak his way in? Yeah, he did. Mental if he did. How is he doing it? (laughs) I've never, I've never seen someone. Well, I've never been less convinced by someone actually after watching them play. Where you kind of you buy into what you're being told, and it's the two, three times you watch them, and then you think, "Hang on a minute, I'm being sold a dream here." <laughs> I mean, even the players we didn't mention, you've got T. Elements in the midfield. You've got uh, Vasharin who plays for Anderlecht I believe yeah he does and I just know him for being a football manager wonder kid but they've got talent but 
perhaps not the amount where anyone's looking at them as being winners. I don't know if any of you are picking them to be the winner, but I mean they've got like a starting eleven as good as anyone's really. When maybe bar France, who are just star studded, but that back line and the depth that they have or the lack of depth is a major question mark. Over maybe if they wanted to win something, they should have had to. They should have done it kind of in the last tournament potentially. Well, it definitely feels like a tail end. We didn't beat them. Yeah, of their golden generation, doesn't it? This will a be Leicester players in there. If we, if we meet them in the knockout stages where if we're lucky enough to get through, then that could be like our final redemption arc, beating Croatia, oh. beating Belgium. You fancy Lukaku against them centre-backs? Oh, Jesus. Oh, <laughs> um, Timothy Castagna there I forgot about as well. So wing-backs, if they can have him on the one side, Carrasco on the other, and you can still keep the likes of uh, Mertens or whoever else you want on the wings at the other end. Interesting team, but it's not quite as strong as we perhaps looked at them being if it happened a year ago or even a couple of years back at the World Cup. Um, my boys Denmark in the same group as these. One of my best gifts ever. Waft getting me a Denmark shirt with Bentner on the back. What a better way to commemorate the retirement of the Lord than going far in this tournament. I hope the whole squad have paddy power pants on. I hope they're all locked in. I think we're going to see a lot of back fives in this tournament. Denmark's, is, they've got quite a nice little three centre-backs with the, the, the two holding players in front of them when they've got uh, Simon Kier, Andreas Christensen, you know he's my guy, and uh, Yannick Vestergaard. They can even get uh, Joachim Andersen in there as well. I don't know if they've been playing him as a left-back also. And then they have uh, Hoybier and uh, Thomas Delaney in front of them with Ericsson in front of them. So they've got a decent side on paper mm. com- compared to how you might look at them being before you kind of get the microscope out. The issue up top is they're relying on guys like Martin Braithwaite to make a difference. They do have Yusuf Paulson there. Casper Dolberg, who was supposed to be uh, like the guy, and he's had a terrible season for Nice. Um, there's a lot of sides in here that I love to have a good team on paper and then don't have a reliable centre forward. I was about to say, there's a lot of teams on there where you can think, you can build up, you look at it from the back up as you think, oh, this is good, this is good. And then you get to the front and it's like, oh, no, yeah. just lacking out a bit. But if you can get, you know, you get your team organised or whatever, this you can kind of make do with having a, an okay striker, can't you, at international level. It's just... It's funny almost say the reverse about us, where we've got a striker that we just can't feed. <laughs> Well, we should be able to as well. To do we, just, so too. we just can't, yeah. When you look at Russia, they're the other way around. So they've got um, Dizuba back in the squad, regained the captaincy. He was dropped for a, a sex tape scandal as well. So him and Benzema can shake hands there um, with the scandals between them. Hopefully watch um, first. Well, yeah. They tried getting rid of him, realised they perhaps don't have the options that France have. And not only brought him <laughs> back in, but gave him the captain's armband back as well. Um, <laughs> A guy who wouldn't look at a place playing up top for Burnley was Sean Dyche. And the no illusions about his mobility, but he's one of the biggest aerial threats in the competition. Behind uh, Dazuba, they've got Alexander Golovin, who I was convinced 
after the World Cup was going to be one of the next big things. And then he went to Monaco and it really hasn't gone well from there onwards. Yeah. But clearly does have the talent. Um, they've got uh, Roman Zobnin in uh, the middle of the park to go alongside him. Their weakness is in defence. Remains to be seen what the manager does. When I tell you that the, the key member of their defence is Yuri Zhirkov, who's still going at 37 years old. Jesus. And he actually forces out who most think is the best left-back in the country to play in centre-back or on the right because Zirkov takes precedence there. You'll be telling me they called up Ivanovic next. Well, they may have thought about it, but no, from what I gather, he's not in there. But they do have Mario Fernandez, who is probably the opposite from what Zhirkov's offering at 37 years old. <laughs> so if you watch them and you're going to do a bet on cards, maybe... Look at the left back of who they're facing, because Mario Fernandez was capped to Brazil previously, then drops back in to play for Russia, and he's up and down, up and down, non-stop. So uh, they'll be a fun one to watch, especially remember the scrutiny where they were spotting like needle needle marks in the the Russia players' arms after they knocked out. <laughs> Do they go to penalties with Brazil, or I? It was someone they went to penalties with, didn't they? Because they were still going mental in extra time. Yeah, yeah. Oh. They were running around like crazy, weren't they? Yeah. yeah, their stats were mad. I can't think who it was, though. In Brazil in my head, but... Um... <laughs> Completely forgot about that. <laughs> Completely forgot about that scandal. That was that so... Was, it was Spain. ridiculous. It was Spain. They knocked was it, yeah. 4-3 on penalties. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, were, they were faster in extra time than they were previously. <laughs> also in the group, you do have Finland. First-time qualifiers... Started a group of major underdogs. They've got Timo Puki up top, who they want to just kind of goal hang, essentially. But he offers so much in terms of kind of connecting the play. It's like a budget cane in this sense. But, uh, they're trying to get people in and around him, and it's just not happening. Uh, their other main man is Glenn Kamara, which might tell you a lot about the, the side they've got here. Blimey. Um, the pundits over there are essentially saying... Fingers crossed Belgium have already qualified and they rest players in the final group game and they can try and get through in third. <laughs> what I will tell you here, Finland are the first team that we're going to give the official spitballing pod one to watch pass. Happened with Peru in the World Cup last time out. Gave you enough info about them that it charmed me and TK into being full-time fans from there onwards. Nearly got the shirts a lot. Didn't get them, but at least thought about it. <laughs> Finland now, I'll give you some stats here. The world's biggest coffee drinkers, one for you there, Alex. There are 187,888 lakes in Finland. You can't swim, don't go to Finland. Finnish nationals are perfectly comfortable with silence. When meeting an acquaintance, it's perfectly acceptable to say a quick hello and just continue on your way. They also naturally keep their distance from other people in public areas. So... No need for small talk. This is like a utopia, isn't it? Yeah. Well, they, they were made for COVID. Now. They yeah. were sound. Sweet breakfasts are popular in some parts of Europe, but not in Finland. Breakfast here is a similar affair with butter, cold cuts and or cheese eaten on top of bread. Birthday parties are important for children in Finland. Many have two, one for friends and another for family. On the flip side, most adults tend to only celebrate the big birthdays and even then, they're typically informal events. 
Estimates put the number of estimates put the number of saunas in Finland at around two million. Not bad for a population of five point three million. <laughs> There's more saunas in Finland than cars. <laughs> the speeding fines in Finland are calculated on the violator's total income. This means that millionaires can face fines of up to a hundred thousand when driving faster than the speed limit. So, as you see in some places where rich people might think it's worth it to go fast and uh, face your tickets, not in Finland. Uh, I believe the highest one was 110,000, which was uh, paid last year. Wow. Unique Finnish sports include the wife carrying championship, mosquito hunting, mobile phone throwing, swamp football, and air guitar. So, ESPN over there is a Mosqu- treat. Mosquito hunting, is that just a guy in a field with a fly swatter? That's why it grounded Quidditch. Get the right mosquito. <laughs> like many Nordic countries, Finland has some of the world's best freedom to roam opportunities. This means you can pitch a tent, no euphemism, forage for wild <laughs> lingonberries, or catch zanders in the lakes for free and without worry. Finland's smoke reindeer pizza was voted the best pizza in the world. And popular national dishes include rice pie, meatballs, cinnamon buns, and blueberry pie. Most of them the guinea pigs we were seeing in Peru, TK. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. Maybe that gives you an inclination to support Finland. uh, I'll ask you at the end if any of these teams have charmed you. One of them has charmed me, which we'll get to. Group C. The weakest of the competition, largely due to the peculiar qualification of North Macedonia, who snuck through the back door by winning the lowest lowest Nations League section. They defeated Liechtenstein, Gibraltar, Armenia, Kosovo and Georgia to reach the Euros. Although obviously they did beat Germany away from home in a qualifier in March, so maybe give them some respect. Are you looking forward to seeing these boys, TK? Yeah, I think I think it's good to see a, a a plucky underdog in there, getting a win over Germany as well. Suggest you can do it on on your day. So yeah, when you consider Ukraine and Austria finished bottom in their groups at the last European Championship, and Holland didn't even qualify five years ago, this is not a quartet boasting a great recent pedigree. It's a group of death in the bad way. Four dead teams. <laughs> what well, this might shock you so there are people saying the most exciting thing about the whole tournament is getting to see Holland this is their first qualification for a major since 2014 when they finished third uh, which is quite standard for them they didn't qualify for a single World Cup after 1938 until 74 they then reached the final twice in a row then messed out on the three major tournaments between 82 and 86 they then won Euro 88 so their brilliance does come in waves. So maybe this is their time. It's I'm weird. not convinced, I'll be honest. <laughs> You're scared of the shirt when you play it, aren't you? <laughs> that orange shirt. I don't know what it does to, especially England, but when you, teams that come up against them. You see Memphis Depay putting it on, thinking, hang on, that's, who's that? Yeah. Jack wanted to bend far lines last time we played him. Lingard was <laughs> going to be the hero. God. <laughs> we, we spoke about the pedigree of Mancini as your manager. Brent de Boer, who stunk out three club jobs in a row, worst Premier League manager of all time. 
Kuman leaves for Barcelona and uh, De Beers sneaks in here. He's not done a horrible job, but I, yeah, I am struggling to see what he brings. I mean, yeah, he has got the basically. <laughs> but his CV, he was going to job interviews so scared. Well, he, uh, so, was, uh, there's this little period in your CV here. Just talk me through your time at Crystal Palace. Well, uh, uh, pretty much like he, he just takes it out. He just, he just says he was travelling at that point. <laughs> I was, I, uh, <laughs> you, there's some gaps in your employment, sir. Oh, I was he, just travelling. I was finding oh, yeah, myself. I, I was working as a window fitter at that point. <laughs> um, <laughs> so defensively, even without Van Dyke, they've got uh, Stefan de Vrijen, Delict at the back, who formed a good partnership. In front of them, they've got Frankie de Jong and uh, Wijnaldum, who's just signed his contract with PSG today. Uh, they have money to spare. They're giving him about 300 grand a week. So there you go. Um, he does play more attacking than he does for Liverpool as well, which confuses some Liverpool fans when they see the goals he puts up behind <laughs> and then see his stats for Liverpool. The attack, largely just around Memphis Depay, you just referenced, He's just hit 20 league goals in a, a Leon campaign where they've struggled. Typically plays a 4-3-3, although he has played a 5 sometimes against stronger opposition with uh, Daly Blind or Nathan Ake coming in as a left-sided centre-back. So expect them to get more defensive as the tournament goes on. It's the total opposite to what you normally expect from Holland as well, isn't it? Whereby you bat them defensively, but just going yeah. forward, you think, what is that? It's normally the flip reverse. Or you think they're going to start scrapping mid-tournament, whichever. <laughs> Ukraine then, so their strength in the middle of the park, um, they've got Stepanenko, who I can't profess to have seen much of, but they've got Zinchenko, who kind of shows the player he can be, and he's in midfield for them as their creative outlet. Um, plays alongside... Uh, Ruslan Malinovsky, who I won't pretend to know a lot about, but he plays the <laughs> box-to-box role on the right for them. Uh, they have Roman Yaramchuk up top, just hit 23 league goals for Ghent. And then on the outside, they do try and fill in with uh, Andre Yarmolenko and uh, Konoplyanka, two that were tipped to be the next big things. Yarmolenko stinking out largely for West Ham, Konoplyanka been injured I think most of the past five years so hasn't quite worked for them but they do have one of the best records in qualification they went unbeaten in a group with Portugal and Serbia and had a string of clean sheets ending up as one of the top six seeded nations for the tournament that's no uh, that's no uh, easy feat no um, and then you have Austria who haven't won a game at a major tournament since World Cup 1990 Bloody <laughs> Essentially, I think we think they're good because that, they've got Alaba, basically. That, that game we just watched, that makes that game even worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> well, Alaba, the issue that they have is, because he's quite clearly their best player, he doesn't have a consistent position for them. Essentially, where the manager feels they're weakest going into a game against a certain team, they just chuck Alaba there. So he's further up the field if they, think they need to get some goals. If they think they're weak down the left-hand side, they'll show them a left-back, right-back, centre-back, defensive mid. He can be their box-to-box player. He literally, just wherever the coach France is putting him. So there's no real continuity there. He's just in there expected to do a job. Um, it's funny, isn't it? It's kind of like when you used to play for your club team as a kid 
and then you play at schools and if you had like a really good player it's it's like Brad Martin when he plays up front for is your mother well but because like, <laughs> the no, centre back will meet him as well exactly yeah. <laughs> so probably the most recognisable name outside of Alibur is probably uh, Marcel Savitzer who you would have seen for Leipzig and Austria have really benefited from uh, the Red Bull inclusion whether it be for the, the club sides uh in Germany or in Austria. So you've got a number of names there. You've got Aladia, who's six foot seven, who's their main striker. Sasa Kaladzic. He made his Austria debut in October. He's already scored three goals. He scored 16 in 32, eight of them being headers. And uh, commentators, you can expect to hear them say, good feet for a big man. So uh, <laughs> he's like the pro club's dream, isn't he? Get <laughs> someone up at six foot seven and just pump balls up to him. <laughs> and then, as we mentioned, North Macedonia. They do boast some serious attacking options with a name that you would recognise. If you thought Yuri Jerkov still going was impressive, Goran Pandev. I thought you were going to say. <laughs> Macedonia. He played as the number 10 for them in qualifying, but they've lost their top scorer, Nestorovsky. And so, essentially... They're going to chuck Pandas up top. So don't expect too much mobility. But in and around the area, they're hoping that he can finish it off. The other striker there How is uh, joining. He's 37. I, I remember him because he had a head. His haircut made it look like he had a dick on his head, didn't it? <laughs> With two balls, if you remember that. Little island, the Stephen Claren Island. Yeah, that's right. Sam say he's going to lead that line like Alexander the Great led Macedonia. <laughs> Oh, you're taking my trivia before we get there. <laughs> His backup striker um, hasn't scored a club goal in two years, despite playing in the Cypriot League. Oh, wow. Jesus. So there you go. And then they also have uh, Ennis Bardi, who's a free-kick specialist, and Elif Almas, who's kind of played on and off for Napoli. Some facts about North Macedonia. Don't need to tell you that it's where Alexander the Great came from, as Alex just jumped in there ahead of me. Um there are said to be parts of the cross on which Jesus was crucified in the foundations of three monasteries in this country, one of the oldest nations in the world. Um, they say, without being drawn on where Greece begins and Macedonia ends, the ancient kingdom of Macedon dates back to 808 BC. Uh, Mother Teresa was Macedonian as well, if that's uh, charming you. Um, the cave of Tashna. She's still going. In, uh, get her up front with Panda. <laughs> the cave Peshna in Makedonsky Broad was described by the New York Times as looking exactly like Helm's Deep. So, Lord of the Rings fans, get over to North Macedonia. <laughs> National dishes, then, I will take you through two of the standouts. Simit Pogacha, also known as Bun Pie. Red roll either side of. Uh, a greasy pie without filling, so essentially some greasy pastry between two pieces of bread. Some uh, carbs on carbs. Yeah, so it's meant, to be, it's meant to be really nice. They say, when I was reading some tourism sites, once you taste it, you'd find it hard to describe it to others without with it sounding nice, but you wouldn't be able to get enough of it while you're over there. So it's meant to be a real delicacy. The other one, Sheridan, is a stuffed lamb stomach. So that's the other standout. If that's charming you. 
Can't say it is. Well, <laughs> Ukraine are the third team that I'm giving the spitballing pod plea for supporters to get on board with them because I do feel they need it. And Ukraine really are the ones that have charmed me here. From what I've read about them, from what I'm about to give you here, they're the ones that are my Peru this time around. So, data from the World Health Organization ranks Ukraine sixth for alcohol consumption in the world with 13.9 litres globes per capita per year. Only Belarus, which tops the chart, alongside Moldova, Lithuania, Russia and Romania, consume more. It's worth noting that Ukrainians do not exclusively drink vodka, as you may assume. The national drink is called horilka, another clear spirit. While vodka means little water, horilka means burning water, a nod to the fact that it's often flavoured with chilli peppers. So, as a drink, that may be one to uh, get your taste buds going. Ukraine, though, is not all about booze. They want me on the tourist board, by the way. I can send this (laughs) over to them. The McDonald's next to the main train station in Kiev is claimed to be the third busiest McDonald's in the world. Get on down there. Chicken Kievs do not come from Russia, if you did wonder. It's thought to be a 19th century French recipe brought to the East by Russian aristocracy that fascinated the French. Hmm. Ukraine, the birthplace of the Klitschko brothers, despite many people thinking they're Russian. Commemorated on June the 23rd, Ivana Kupala Day is one of Ukraine's most fun traditional celebrations. Boys and girls join hands in pairs and jump over a raging fire in in a purification ritual. Locals believe that when a couple skip the fire without losing grip of each other, their love is destined to last a lifetime. It's held down there. One of the main reasons people are heading to Ukraine, 124,000 tourists visited Chernobyl in 2019. Last time people could travel freely and when the TV show had just come out. That was a 30,000 bump. People saw the atrocities on TV and thought, why don't I go down there? I'll have a bit of that. And as we saw from News of the Week the other week, maybe get get some spirits from down there. They may rock your world. More scientists news. Uh, I, I haven't mentioned uh, uh, Chernobyl. Excuse me? You, you kidding me? He's, excuse me? I've literally uh, just I, mentioned I, I, it. I was expecting you to say about going there as a uh, as a uh, sorry I meant specifically as in like going there on a pod trip get the boys oh. trained for a pod trip to Chernobyl we could do a live episode from Chernobyl hey, well I'll tell you now this might charm you scientists have been at it again according to scientists Ukrainian women are more beautiful than Swedish women you can't doubt science you won't criticise the scientists spending their time doing that well Quite a good paid job to be in, I assume. Not a bad gig. And some popular dishes from Ukraine. Potato pancakes. Chicken Kievs. And finally, a dish called banush. It's like a porridge with corn grits, fried pork, sorry, fried pork fat and cheese. I'm pretty sure that's a heart attack. (laughs) Get some of that down, you, before a triathlon, Alex. You will be storming. (laughs) <laughs> rather than your standard porridge or pasta I assume 
two more groups to go through. Group E. Luis Enrique is essentially trying to do with Spain what he did to Barcelona, kind of keep a standard 4-3-3 possession play, but not quite as strict in being overly patient, ticky-tacky with the build-up. Previous Spain sides have been that way, and their main outlet in recent times has been Ferran Torres, who I know TK was high on coming into the season. Um, Hat-trick against Germany in their last encounter, so he's banging form there. It could be Moreno, who's just haunted United. could be Morata up top, who's haunted Jack since uh, he joined Chelsea. (laughs) Thiago will be expected to dictate the play, and I think we spoke about the Italy central midfield partnership. Thiago in there with Rodri and Koke certainly isn't as mobile as that Italy one, but in terms of getting the ball off them, that could be interesting. You've also got Busquets to come into that mix if he recovers from COVID, and Pedri too has had a great season for Barcelona. Up top, either side of the strikers, you've got a combination of uh, Oyozabal, Dani Olmo, Adama Traore, who's expected to play a big part this summer. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Even him coming off of the bench would be terrifying. But bearing in mind the season he's had to go yeah. in that space, he's a sign of where they're at. Essentially, just quick, isn't <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Pretty much, we need some pace. You've got Sweden in there as well. Solid enough defensively, albeit with a question mark over Lindelof being in there and who could partner him. Um, in midfield, essentially, just they're in there to get the ball to Alexander Isaac, who's just had a great season for Real Sociedad and is now looking for a new club because he said he won't return to Dortmund. So don't be shocked if someone in the Prem maybe uh, dips in for him. They've got Emil Forsberg, who was supposed to be one of the next big things. Hasn't quite worked that way. Dejan Kulisevsky would be huge for anyone other than Juventus, where he's in and out of the side and can't get any real rhythm. And then you've got Marcus Berg still in there. Christopher Olsen still in there in midfield. Um, and Victor Kleisen, and they all actually play together in the middle for uh, Krasnodar. So I know Alex was speaking earlier about kind of the cohesion. If you've got three that play together for club and country, that can only be a good thing. Poland, as uh, mentioned before, main man in the middle of midfield is Zielinski from uh, Napoli. A front two as good as any in the tournament with uh, Lewandowski and uh, Arcadius Milik up alongside him. My man, Sir Chesney in goal. <laughs> and then the other names you may recognise, you've got Jan Bednarek of Southampton, you've got Krakowiak, who was at West Brom briefly, you've got Mateus Klick from Leeds, and you've got uh, Piatek, who uh, is at Hertha Berlin at the moment, uh, coming from Milan. Finally, in that group, you've got Slovakia. Their main man, uh, Michael Juris, uh, awful goal-scoring record at international level, seven in 54 caps. He's also uh, stinking it out in the Cypriot top flight. So two players from the Cypriot top flight going to uh, the Euros. They've clearly gone there on, on a holiday. They've gone, they fought Cyprus. <laughs> we won't bother trying. We'll just enjoy this. Well, you, you've got... Um, Andre Duda in there and Hamsik and Hamsik's interesting because he was so desperate to be uh, in form and fit come the Euros but he left China and when he decided he was going to leave China there was only about three leagues in the world with the transfer window still open 
So he's moved, he moved to Sweden. He plays in the Swedish league at the moment just to be able to play some football. So he is match fit going into the tournament. And it remains to be seen how much of a difference that will have. But most are predicting them to be clear bottom of the group. So anything plus will be a bonus for them, of course. I guess you'd say Spain to go through and then battle out between Sweden and Poland there, you'd think. Yeah, for sure. Um, group F, last group to get to, and quite literally the group of death. Um, this group contains the last three winners of major tournaments. You've got Didier Deschamps France, who are widely considered the favourites of the tournament. Wenger did an interview in the week that says they shouldn't just be considered favourites, they should be considered super favourites because they're that far above everyone else that's in the tournament. Um, I think the only reason they aren't viewed as perhaps stronger favourites is because of the group that they're in. Hmm. By a distance, the best squads um, at the tournament, they've got quality in every position, mostly twice in every position, if not more, bar right back. <laughs> Deschamps has carried on with the 4 2 3 1 that he played in the World Cup. And he plays, I know I refer to it, he's been going a lot longer. I just say the one that Arteta played against Sheffield, one of the few memorable games I had this season. <laughs> but essentially, where you just balance it, well, you can put it off balance. You have it so heavy on the one side, and you have the midfielder that kind of tucks in as an extra fender on the other side as you need him. So they're under no illusions. They've got Mbappe down the right hand side. They field their formation to go down that way. And then someone like Rabiot will tuck in on the left just to get some cover there. You've got Griezmann, who has played in each of France's last 47 games. Um, he's the man you want at an international tournament, not the man you want to go out for Halloween with. <laughs> <laughs> but he won the Golden Boot at Euro 2016. He won the Bronze Ball three years ago. I saw a journalist say that if he does anything significant in this tournament, he should be called the most consistent tournament player of his generation. Blimey. I mean, so, you're going uh, up against Miroslav Klose there, really, aren't you? No, of his <laughs> generation. Yeah. Closer. Different, uh, different time. Yeah. We do have the surprise return of Karen Benzema up front. The uh, Champs had shocked everyone by bringing in Rabiot. Brings back Benzema. Bad news for Giroud, this. I don't think there's any <laughs> other way of putting it. This is the man who's going to suffer here. Um, yeah, I mean, he's seen that group, Deschamps, and thought, you know what? The beef ain't worth it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Because, I mean, Giroud done a great job. I mean, people were criticising him for... What was he? He's not a shot on target during the uh, World Cup as a striker, but then you asked Deschamps and he said that he was one of the most important players in his side. He wouldn't have been in there otherwise. He would have had, I guess, Mbappe through the middle and someone like my man Florian Tovan on the right-hand side. Benzema is essentially expected to offer a great goal threat to Giroud, but also bring others into play like Giroud was meant to be in there for. Strange to imagine him bringing Benzema back in only to have him in a backup role, considering the way he's kicked up a stink in previous tournaments. So, You'd imagine he's going to be one of the first names on the team sheet. Worth it? Worth it? That risk for you, TK? Bringing Benzema back? I mean, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because we're talking about how strong their squad is. 
you'd probably say normally if you you're that confident going in, you don't bother with the risk, do you? But um, from the outside looking in, we should probably pray that he does upset the apple cart. Him yeah. and Rabio just turn the whole place up and they they stink it out because otherwise, yeah, there's like a squad ready to blow us out, doesn't it? I I think Benzema coming off the year he's out of Madrid, he he could be a star of the tournament. Yeah, I mean it would be nice. So a nice French revolt, as we've seen a couple of times. I think Nasri led the last one. Um, that was a great one as well, then, wasn't he? Yeah, that was phenomenal. <laughs> they tried ousting the manager mid. They basically just all said, "Yeah, we want the manager out during the tournament." Incredible. Um, even behind that front line, then you've got a midfield of Paul Pogba and Kante, which is clearly the one that Champs favours. He actually lets Kante be the more creative of the two and get around the pitch more. Pogba has to sit back a bit more, but I'm sure he's happy to do that in a World Cup winning side. The defence is sickeningly good. <laughs> They've taken out uh, Umtiti from the World Cup and put in Kimpembe alongside Varane, which is ridiculous. And then you've got uh, Benjamin Pavard on the right-hand side who can also play centre-back. He can play defensive mid. He can play a three. You've got Lucas Hernandez on the left-hand side. Every single one of those defenders is above six foot. So at set pieces, they're also a nightmare. It's insane that this team is as stacked as it is. I know. It it is mental. And I what shook me as well is Laporte switching nationalities to uh He wasn't Spain. getting a game for France. The, the fact that they can just go, yeah, you know what, we won't even cap you. You you go off to Spain, we'd have been capping him as soon as we could. It's yeah, so pretty nowhere. sure they even come out and said, like, yeah, he's not in the plans. So Insane. Something must have happened there. Germany also in the group. Um, I'm a little burnt by them after predicting them <laughs> to do everything in the World Cup. Win it all. Werner top scorer. I was all in. <laughs> I think I was a player of the tournament as well. Um, you were. It remains to be seen, really, whether Germany put up a fight. Uh, you've got Joachim Lowe, who's on the way out. You've got Hansi Flick kind of waiting in the wings, ready to come in. I think we could have gone for the new manager bounce there. Um, but they've still got a squad that's packed with quality, especially in midfield. The issue that they've had really since their success in the, the, the late 2000s, early, early 2010s, they don't really have a set style of play. Since they lost Philip Lahm, they've got Kimmich that kind of does the Lahm thing where it's like, do I play defensive mid? Do I play right back? Do I play your left back, centre back? Um, it looks like they're going to play Kimmich at right back just because of the lack of options elsewhere. They brought Hummels back into the side to play alongside Rudiger in the defence, which looks good on paper. Um, they said they had to go for drastic measures after a back two of Sula and uh, Robin Koch conceded six to Spain. <laughs> Midfield trio of Tony Cruz, Ilkay Gunduan, and Leon Goretzka one of the strongest in the competition also. But one thing that is in that trio is they do move the ball very slowly. If you think England are slow sometimes, if you watch Germany, whether it's a friendly or whether it's a qualifier or whatever, there's no real intensity to what they have, which is strange when you look at in front of that midfield two or three, you've got Leroy Sane, Serge Nabry, Timo Werner, and then you've got Thomas Muller sneaking in there as well who's also being recalled for the tournament. So, one of my most hated players in football, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> Have you mentioned Serge Nabry? Have I missed that? Pardon? 
You mentioned Kai Havertz, or have I, did I miss it? I have it. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, he's in that mix as well, for sure. Champions League winner. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to tell me about Kai Havertz. I've been tooting his horn for a while. Serge Nabry, although, 15 goals in 20 at international level. That's as good a record as you're going to find. That's not bad. It isn't a striker. That is good. You've got Portugal in this group as well, then. You've got essentially Ronaldo at centre-forward, and then a combination of Jota, Yao Felix, Bruno Fernandes and Bernardo Silva in behind. They've snuck in under the radar with an absolutely fantastic team, haven't they? Well, they they usually leave out one of those, which, much like it's happened for Atleti, Yao Felix seems to be the one that managers seem to not be able to fit in how they want to play. I guess it's tough to play a false nine when you've got Ronaldo at the other end. Um, but I know when they were successful in the Euros, they essentially didn't play a striker, but they didn't play a false nine. They just added an extra midfield and gave Ronaldo and Nani a bit more width to kind of pull in as the balls were coming into the box or if they wanted to attack a defender. They do have Andre Silva, who's just got 28 goals in 32 games for Frankfurt in the Bundesliga. Fullback, they've got Rafael Guerrero and Yao Cancelo, as good a fullback duo as any. And then centre-back, Pepe is still going at 38. I mean, Jack saw firsthand what he can do in the Champions League, as we all did against Juventus. Him alongside Ruben Diaz, they're going to defend the penalty box as good as anyone. Yeah, yeah it's very to go around. And then when you go try and go around, they've got Guerrero and Cancelo. Do you, do you reckon that other nations look at our right-back options and talk about it in the same reverence as this <laughs> I think uh, listening to other managers and kind of pressing other countries they were all pretty bemused by the fact that it was a debate as to whether Trent would be in the squad or not I know that much <laughs> because he probably starts for any of these other teams including Portugal so there we go that's what England do for you alongside those three you do have Hungary in there as well so they got the advantage of facing Portugal and France at home. As I said, possibly with the benefit of 100% capacity, which could go either way. In terms of a spine, they've got Peter Galashi in goal, centre-back Willy Orban, who were together at Leipzig. Um, Dominic Sobersly, who was supposed to be uh, Arsenal for ages, he went to Leipzig and has been injured ever since. So he doesn't make the tournament, so that's a big miss for them. Jack, who do you think qualifies the top two from that group and in, in which order? I'm actually going to go with France and Portugal. France topping it, Portugal coming second, Germany third. I don't... I just see Portugal as a stronger option. You, you've got the Ronaldo factor as well. No matter how old he is, you'll always have the Ronaldo factor, won't you? Um, TK, what do you... Sorry. I was just going to say, you think that Bernardo being fed by Bruno Fernandes, Bernardo Silva, Jota in there as well, I just think that's just a strong proposition. And I feel that if Werner Kerr is on his club form, then Germany may... <laughs> Bruno's going to be start paddling his hungry, isn't he? Then stinking it out against France and Germany. <laughs> yeah. TK, what do you think? Do you agree with Jack? I do. Huge potential for, for Germany to make me look stupid here because uh, I, I don't have a huge amount of belief in them. And I think I think France and then Portugal second. And 
with that in mind, Germany probably won't end up being one of the better third place finishers, you'd imagine. No. Because if they were to lose, I, I'd probably yeah. have them losing to both of those two. So then just the winning against Hungary might not do it for them. It's I, it's a weird one. I do think Germany have partly addressed the issue in the last tournament where I thought they don't have a lot of pace. And I think they've got more of that in this squad. But partly, yeah, I, I, just, I believe in the other two a little bit more. Partly it depends on how many they score. And that may be the target. It's Hungary if the first two games haven't gone well. Yeah, so, yeah, so exactly. worth noting, I mean, Portugal got three points in the group stage in 2016 and won the tournament. Yeah. They had three yeah. draws in the group stage and then went through. Three draws, that's insane. Yeah, it's probably going to come down to who, who rattles in the most goals then, isn't it, in, in that last, yeah. one of those last places. So there we go. That That is, uh, that's the group stage. Uh, TK, if I go to you, should we run through the groups because some of them we didn't say we think goes through. If I ask you if you agree with the favourites, basically. Um, group A, I know we had a discussion on Switzerland. Alongside Italy, who would you fancy? Turkey, do you fancy Switzerland, do you fancy Wales to go through in the top two? I'm going to roll with Switzerland. I don't, I don't quite buy into the Turkey hype that other people are going with. Jack, what about you? Yeah, I'm going with Turkey. As much as I'd like to have the indie opinion of going with Switzerland, I am fully on board the Turkey train. TKO has always been a granite jacket stand. <laughs> oh, don't talk to me about that, man. <laughs> Praise. Just pray that Roma move gets sorted before the Euros. Don't want that value dropping too much. I can't believe someone's actually going to... We charge you. I can't believe someone's actually going to part with money for him. Incredible. Hey, look. Jose Mourinho said... If you can't see what Granite Xhaka does in the midfield, I can lend you my pair of eyes. I think that was probably the death knell of Jose's career. I think that was probably <laughs> right. He really has lost it. He's done. He was having to put up with uh, Hoybier in the midfield. Who? Oh, wow. That's salt. Xhaka not... wishes he was Hoybier. I, I won't go into a full debate here, but I can tell you with all seriousness, there, I genuinely think there are levels between Hoybier and Xhaka and that's more of a slight on Hoybier. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm done. I'm done. Right, that, everything everything Hoybier can do. With that logic, if, we're, if, we're talk, if we're talking with that logic, Wales top this group. Wales top this group. Everything, everything Hoybier can do, Xhaka can do. Christ. No. I mean, not very well, but he can who would you rather pass in the ball? Well, no, that is that is true. I do think he's marginally a better pass with the ball, but I don't think he's a very often. And Hoybier well, yeah, picked can... up more yellows than Shaka uh, as well. Shaka can play in more positions. How many red cards did he pick up? Well, I mean, yeah, fair enough. He's a he's a passionate player. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, think if, I think if you offered if you offered Jose, does he want Hoybier or does he want Shaka now? Even well, if they're the same wants, price, I'm pretty sure he takes Xhaka. Well, clearly he wants Xhaka. Yeah, well, I'm saying if, if he thought Hoybier was available. Just, just, yeah, but saying what Mourinho wants nowadays isn't exactly, that doesn't carry the weight that it used to. I, I think you should have some respect. He's one of the few managers that were prepared to manage your team. <laughs> Look what he did with it. I'll say one's doing an impression of Xabi Alonso, one's doing an impression of Mascherano. They're both doing it terribly. One's just doing the impression slightly better, and that probably goes to Hoybier. <laughs> Hoybier is uh, Lucas Torreira 2018. 
with a, a slightly better average, but the peak of Torreira was higher. I'm rolling with Turkey also, just by the way. Alex, are you picking Wales to finish in the top two? No, I'm not. No, I'm going to go with um, Italy and Switzerland. Group B. You've got Denmark, you've got Russia, you've got Finland, and you have Belgium. I assume most people are picking Belgium to go through. Is everyone picking them to come top of the group? Um, I'm going to throw a curveball in here, and I'm going to say Denmark top the group. Is this just because we mentioned Hoybier? (laughs) <laughs> so you got his backup. No, no, no. I just, I, I, I just, I just fancy. I don't. I think Belgium are a bit hit and miss. It, I, I haven't kept track of the Kevin De Bruyne situation. Is he going to miss in the first game? He's missing the first game. Uh, yeah, looks decisive like enough in the competition. Um, the um, I, I think Denmark. I think Denmark squeeze the top spot. TK, did Denmark make the top two for you? No, no, I'm I'm a little bit hotter on Belgium than you guys are by the sound of it. I do think they're they're still a really good team with yeah, and I I've, I think they can they can go far. I think they do run into Italy at a certain point, don't they? Which could which would be an interesting battle uh, so, if if it goes as you expect. So I, I would go with them top, and I'd go with so Russia in second actually. Russia, okay, yeah, here is Yerkov leading the way. That. Once you said that, that did start to concern me. But uh, I'll <laughs> go with it nonetheless. Jack, are you rolling with Yuri Zhirkov? I am. He's my boy. Never played for Chelsea. I barely played for Chelsea. It was great on FIFA 10 because he had wicked pace from left back. And I'm rolling with the great Danes in second place. So the matches I'll be uh, cheering on Finland in their games also. Finland and Denmark going through is the dream. Um... <laughs> Group C, I assume everyone's got Holland going through. Um, out of Ukraine, Austria, Macedonia. Ukraine in second place? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Ukraine. Uh, I think Netherlands can be such hit and miss, though. I you... think they're fortunate they're in this group. Yeah, they'll be going it could, yeah. it could have gone horribly wrong for them. That's a nice group for them. Jackie, you're rolling with North, Ma- North Macedonia. I'm not, no. I'm going to be... I mean, it's quite a damning stat that Austria won, even though they played... I don't know if we played poorly, if they played well yesterday, but um, I'm going to have to go with Ukraine. I'm gonna, I might see if I can get a uh, Macedonia shirt before... Uh, it's, not it's, not, it's not a good shirt. It's it was... Uh, it was... Romania we played yesterday was Austria who played in midweek. That was it, yeah. Both equally as bad as each other. And you think uh, the last time Austria won a game at a tournament then? Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union. Incredible. <laughs> we weren't born. Um, group E. We're worse than I thought. Jesus. Spain through, you would imagine. Who are you rolling with, TK? Sweden, Poland or Slovakia? I'm rolling with Poland, you know. I, I've, if you ask me for a, I don't know if you know about a dark horse. Obviously, I don't think they're going to win it. But I think if you ask me someone out of the, 
outside of the usual suspects, I think Poland could have a run. I, I agree with you in Poland going through in the group also. I mean, you've got to trust their spine basically more than I trust Sweden. I mean, I really like Isaac yeah. as a striker. Um, Kulishevsky looks great from what I've seen, but isn't going into it with much form. And yeah, it's hard. Lewandowski, you'd assume, is going to get goals regardless and mm. they'll probably get enough to get them through. Jackie, rolling with the Swedes? No, Poland for me. Okay, and we've just done Group F. Are you so, not going to ask me? <laughs> I thought I had. Who have you taken out Poland and Sweden? <laughs> or Slovakia? Yeah, uh, Poland. <laughs> wasn't really worth asking <laughs> <in> anyway. <laughs> Jack, I'm going to go to you first. Who wins the tournament? France. Can't see past them. That squad is terrifying. TK, are you rolling with France? Are you spicing things up here? I think we get a, uh, a France-Portugal rematch. And I think France get their revenge. Okay, okay. Alex? Um... It's hard to see past the, the raw, the raw talent that is France. However, part of me really doesn't want to say them because of their track records and tournaments can be so like they they've got they've got a bit of a meltdown in them. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> part of me then, part of me then, I wanted to say the Germans. Just the Germans will get it done. Just the the, the, back the, of, back the, of. the t- the tournament specialists will just get it you done. Some, top the group. You can have some fans in the Harper household if you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Did, not not based on any player in particular in their squad or any cohesiveness that they've got. It's just the fact that they're German and they're reliable in the tournament. Um, they do a good one. I, uh, I, I fancy Portugal. TK, who is top goal scorer? I'm going to roll with... Lukaku. I agree with you. I think Lukaku. he might he might bully the group stage, and then that's often when you when you break it down. Often how the golden boot is decided, isn't it? Someone's rattled in a few in the in the group. Alex, if we go through to the next round, Kane has the chance to square across for a guaranteed goal, or to pull one back and go level with. Uh, Lukaku on the top scorers list. What does he do? Square it. Say that again. Sorry. Square it. Kane has, Kane has the chance to square it for a guaranteed goal. Yeah. A chance to shoot and try and go level with Lukaku on the top scorers list. What does he do? What does he pick? Well, if it's Sterling. You know the answer. He's done it before. Yeah. That's not a guaranteed goal if it's Sterling. If it's, if it's Sterling on his, if it's Sterling that he squared it to, then you'd be even you'd be praying for him not to square it. <laughs> even bloody Rashford, you're squaring him not to. You're not. You, you, yeah, Kane. Kane goes for it, and rightly so. Okay. Who's top goal scorer? Is Kane top scorer in a tournament? No. Um, I I I I don't want to back Lukaku or Kane based on the. They've had a really, really good season, and they're not going to have a good international tournament as good as their season. Um, I'm going to go with Lewandowski, even though he's had a good season again. I know, but it's Lewandowski's Lewandowski. Yeah, I think uh, he'll. Th- I think he'll be top scorer, and I think it'll be quite a low, 
a low score in affair. What was it in the World Cup? What was the, um, I can't remember what came on the Golden Boot with. Was it something like as little as like seven goals or five goals or something like that? Six. Six goals. Yeah. yeah. I, I reckon it'll be like, I don't know, Lewandowski will get it with like five, which will all be, which you'll get all in the group stage. Maybe one in the knockout. <laughs> Jack, are you going with Kane? Are you going with Griezmann? Are you going with Mbappe, Lukaku? I am actually going to go. Oh, it's so difficult because you look at that group of death and you say that's where all the goals are scored. I see a lot of tight affairs, especially mm, exactly. the France group. I mean, is it Kane then? Uh, the thing is, I don't see him scoring a lot of goals. So I, I he takes pens as well. Yeah, I know. Um, you know what? I'll give it. I'll give it Kane. I think because although we're not going to score a lot of goals, if we do score goals, I feel he's probably going to get them. Yeah. Um, um, I don't see a lot of group stage batterings unless someone actually hammers Hungary and they get like eight. And um, TK, you're rolling with Poland as your dark horse. I mean, in in terms of the definition, because yeah, yeah. you're looking for a dark horse that you think is going to win it. Because I can't go saying. I think no, no, ain't on outside the. But if you were to say yeah, out of the to perform above expectations. Yeah, I think I think they would be my pick to perform above expectations. I'm rolling with my Ukrainians. Like it. Who's your dark horse? Uh, I'll go with Poland as my dark horse, back it up the top scorer option. Jack. I mean, I could say Croatia. But they made it to the, the last World Cup, so I don't know if that's anything to go by. Um, what about the Turks? Nah, I, I'd probably back Croatia to go further than England. Ooh, okay, disrespectful from Mr. Patriot. He's he's just wiped his ass with the flag before the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Um, so that just about sums things up. We've gone for every group we've predicted. Every group we've got winners, dark horses, top scorers. Um, I'll ask you both now, actually, while I remember. Movie Madness this week, Alex and TK. We have Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl up against Space Jam. Oh, easy that's one. A, oh. easy one. That's a brutal yeah, matchup uh, because I haven't seen Space Jam. So, oh what? my word! What? <laughs> or, uh, or, I may have, or I may have, or I may have in your mum's ears, so I can have a chat with her. <laughs> what was I'm, she playing at? What oh, Space Jam oh come out? Ninety-six. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that. I may have watched it, but at like so, when I was so young that I can barely remember it. No, you don't remember Space Jam. You don't forget that. But that, that's it. I think I've seen clips from it, and like it jogs oh. my memory as if I hadn't seen clips. I think the person that uses that I've seen clips as the biggest excuse to try and get out of a film I should have seen. <laughs> but it's not but flying. I, I so I may or may not have uh, seen it, but. I think even uh, well, I'll watch Space Jam, but uh, Pirates of the Caribbean for me. 
think that might be prime, uh, what prime, um, prime, prime um, Kira Knightley. Yeah, not wrong there. Um, okay. You are joining us Thursday, aren't you, Jack? I've not forgotten something. No, no, I'm there. All right. Didn't know. Uh, I mean, the, the, the way Sean's punctuality goes, I can't take anyone for granted these days. Mm. He's meeting his uh, work lot for drinks for the uh, first time, for the third time. Is he not with us again? He's not with us again. That's what did I he, said. Did he like actually bottle the last week's one because he was too tired? Yeah, he did, yeah. Oh, that's damning. That's damning. And then I had the nerve to send his picks in mid-pod. I did float the question to both Keenan and Jack, should we include them? Keenan fought Sean's corner, fortunately for him. Because I was happy to say, look, if you can't bother to come on the pod, you can't have your picks taken into account. But there we go. Uh, we'll get here. So, unless anyone else has anything to add, we will go into next Monday's pod after England played their first game. So, all right, nothing more to add. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something to finish that. No, off no, just, just, uh, just I was just stuff. leaving uh, leaving the table open. The floor was anyone's to claim. Uh, we'll leave it there then. Thanks again for listening. We will be back. Goodbye.